This is kind of groovy, isn't it? I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I be forewarned, don't look up. Something might fall on you, but I think, I think we're going to make this work. I mean, the plan is to kind of be here through the summer, I think, because we don't know when exactly they're going to start the demolition and then raising everything back up. I'll say a little bit more about that in the sermon in just a second, but... I mean, I, I, you're all here. You're all here together, and we'll try to peek at each other around the post, and, and uh, we'll try to take care of the wonderful order. Some of you noticed when you walked in, and well, you know, it's under construction, and so are we. All right, let's pray. God, in the name of Jesus, it, it's amazing to me when we start thinking about you and focusing on you, it just doesn't matter what's around us, and suddenly this this broken down old building became something holy and sacred where you were lifted up and you were worshiped and you were, we were singing to you. Thank you for the transformation that occurs when worship happens. We love worshiping you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, now our gatherings have become kind of a hybrid. Uh, obviously, we have our physical time together, and we also have our online time together. Uh, but our calling has not changed. Our calling is immutable. It remains unchanged. Unfortunately, sometimes we view our calling <laughs> like the college student who went to the photography studio with a picture of his girlfriend, and he wanted some quality duplicates. And the store owner noticed the inscription on the back of the picture that said, My dearest Tom, I love you with all of my heart. I love you more and more each day. I will love you forever and ever. I'm yours for all eternity. Diane, P.S. If we ever break up, I want this picture back. In this life, we change. And life circumstances change. But our calling as followers of Jesus, that remains the same. That is immutable. Now, let's throw this sermon into reverse for just a second, and let's backtrack a bit. Go with me from your Sunday schools and your history lessons. Abraham was called by God to enter into a covenant to start a nation with God. Moses was called by God from a burning bush to lead the people of God out of slavery. Aaron and his sons were called by God to be priests and to serve as ministers in leading the people in the worship to God. Joshua was called by God to be strong and courageous and to return to the land promised them by God. Gideon was called by God to lead a small army against a massive enemy. Samuel was called by God to foretell prophecies and anoint leaders for the people of God. Solomon was called by God to build the house of God. The apostles were called by God to leave everything and follow God's son to be ambassadors for God. Saul of Tarsus was called by God to stop persecuting followers of God and become the missionary of God. But then God the Almighty, God the Creator, took this calling business to an entirely new level. With the Holy Spirit now indwelling the believer in Christ, 
the calling has grown exponentially. No longer is the calling for a select few. Look, look how this is reflected in how the Apostle Paul started his letter to the church plant in Corinth. Look how he says this. Look. To the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be his holy people, together with all those everywhere who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. So you see, at one time, the calling was chosen from one nation and one clan and one family and one man. Now it has expanded to all everywhere who call on the name of the Lord. Now, through this month of May, we're going to consider just five specific aspects of that calling. We're going to talk about our call to make disciples, our call to love our neighbors, our call to serve sacrificially, our call to shine brightly, and our call to declare hope. But all of these areas fall under the one overarching meaning and purpose of the call. We've been called to know the one who made us. Our ultimate calling is to live with and in Christ. Look how it's explained in just a few verses down and still the introduction of this letter to the church plant in Corinth. Look what he says. God is faithful who has called you into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. That's the ultimate purpose of the call. We've been called to share life with Christ. That's our calling. And what a call it is. F.B. Meyer has got, you might call this, the call's war cry. Look at this great statement. It is urgently needful that the Christian people should come to understand that they are not a company of invalids to be wheeled about or fed by hand, nursed and comforted, the minister being the head physician and nurse. No, that's not what they're called to. What are they called? But a garrison in an enemy's country, every soldier of which should have some post or duty at which he should be prepared to make any sacrifice rather than quitting. You talk about Christians growing up in the army of the Lord. I mean, that's a call. That's a call. So what we have received in Christ is not a small matter. And just in case we think that this falls on our own power, in other words, to fulfill this call lies within our ability, just in case we're deceived there, then let me illustrate that by reading a fictitious letter that a consultant agency in Jerusalem wrote to Jesus. Are you with me? This is fictitious. Okay, here we go. Jesus, son of Joseph, woodcrafter, carpenter shop, Nazareth, Galilee. Dear sir, thank you for submitting the resumes of your, the 12 men you have picked for managerial positions in your new organization. All of them have now taken the battery of tests, and we have run them through our computers. It is the staff's opinion that most of your nominees are lacking in background, educational, and vocational aptitude for the type of enterprise you are undertaking. They do not have the team concept. We would suggest that you continue your search for persons 
for persons with experience and proven capability. Example, Simon Peter is emotionally unstable and given to fits of temper. Andrew has no leadership skills at all. The two brothers, James and John, place personal interest above company loyalty. Thomas demonstrates a questioning attitude that would tend to undermine morale. We feel that it is our duty to inform you that Matthew has been blacklisted by the Greater Jerusalem Better Bu Business Bureau. <laughs> James, the son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, have radical leanings that registered high, uh, high manic depressive scores. Only one of the candidates shows great potential. He's a man of ability and resourcefulness who con who's con Oh, I'm sorry, resourcefulness, who meets people well and has a keen business mind. He has contacts in high places and is highly motivated, ambitious, and responsible. We recommend Judas Iscariot as your controller and right-hand man. We wish you every success in your new venture. Sincerely yours, Jordan Management Consultants, Jerusalem, Judea. It's not the way we would do it, is it? The kind of people that Jesus chooses are not the kind of people we would have chosen. Be not deceived as to where the power lies in the fulfillment of our callings. It's not in our abilities. And you think about this for a second. The call each one of us has received in Jesus. It finds its power not in who we are, but in who he is. Look again at 2 Timothy 1.9. He has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. Now you meditate on that a little bit. We are either in Christ right now or hopefully we are contemplating a surrender to a life in Christ. Because before time ever began, God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit formulated a plan. And their plan was to create you and call you to live in and with them. Did you know that that is why we are meeting in this building right now that is under construction? That's why we are waiting on the architect to finish the plans for this space. I want you to look at this. This is, this is the building that you're in right now. Let me move this over here a little bit. I know I'm going to come out of the light, but I want to make sure that you understand. You're, you're sitting right about here. That's this front black window right here. You're, this worship center is going to come down to not this wall here. You're going to break through and not that one that's behind the sound booth. It's the brick wall that's all the way back there. So this is going to this, this is your your structure here is going to be about 60 by 55. It's going to be bigger than what we had in mission. Well, this this is where we're headed, and our main entrance is going to be a drive-through down here. Our main entrance is going to be back here. There's going to be an open lobby where we can have our hugs and our coffee, and then you'll come in back here. All of this over here is going to remain pretty much the same, except we're going to put a kitchen in right there our kitchen will go in right there and then we're going to add a couple of bathrooms in that inner room in that area between those two that we have been meeting in can you kind of visualize 
what's happening here? And this structure here, this structure here, everything that you look at, except for that wall, is going to be gone. The ceiling's going to be gone. This wall's going to be gone. That wall's going to be gone. The wall behind that and the wall behind that's going to be gone. All those walls that you can see behind you are going to be gone. And it's going to come up to about a big old 25-foot peak and kind of come down. This place is going to be filled with sacred worship. Okay. That's why when they start the demolition and the reconstruction, we're going to have to find another place to meet. This is just a temporary fix to keep us all together. We kind of experienced something sweet on Easter last Sunday, and we thought, man, we packed 150 people in there, and we got to figure out a way to try to get everybody back in here too. This meeting place will serve as a valuable tool. What we're coming at will serve as a valuable tool both for ourselves and for other people. We've got brand new people here this morning who have never been here before. Why? Because they're trying to figure out what this call is for them. In our inconvenience for a season, God is producing a great restoration. Look how relevant this word to that Peter gave to his audience is to our situation right here. This is 1 Peter 5.10. Think about where we are right now as, you read, as, you, as we read this. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. So just as God was rebuilding the walls and the people in Nehemiah's day that we looked at extensively this year, so he is rebuilding this place along with each one of us. This is all part of the plan that God has been working in each one of us individually and collectively. So many who have gone before us have answered the call and made it possible for us to experience what we are today. And by us answering the call... We are making possible for generations yet to come. Don't you find, maybe it's, if I told you this last week, maybe it's because I'm old, but I love to think about this structure being a tool for him to use for generations to come. Because one day this is going to happen. One day this is going to happen. They will wage war against the Lamb. But the Lamb will triumph over them because he is Lord of lords and King of kings, and with him will be his called, his chosen, his faithful ones. You're in the Bible. Did you know that? You've answered the call. You're answering the call, and you're going to make it possible for more people to answer the call. It's humanity's greatest honor and privilege to accept God's call and to be with him. Salvation runs for everyone, so we need to open up the doors and sing. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we're just asking that somehow, someway, our eyes will be opened to what you're doing. And we will see that, oh my, this is not just about living 70, 80, 90 years here on earth and then arranging our lives so financially and emotionally that we can just kind of move on into the next phase but we're answering a call because people before us we're answering a call that will affect people after us this is something noble and great let us be bold 
Let us be bold in how we talk about it and let us be bold in how we worship you. May the heavens hear our praise. Father, we lift this up in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, church, let's stand.